Yo, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Satsung Podcast. I'm really, really excited about this one. Uh, today on the podcast, we have Keller Williams. Man, I don't even know. I don't even know. I don't even know where to start. Uh, I've been listening to Keller since I was about 15 years old. Uh, I have had some legitimate out-of-brain, out-of-body experiences at his shows. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing when I reflect on, you know, my relationship with Keller's music is that it got me turned on to so much other stuff. It's really how I actually dug deep into the Grateful Dead's catalog. Um, and, you know, we talk a lot about the dead, we talk a lot about just music in general, but uh, it, it was just such a trip. You know, if you would go back in time and tell 17-year-old me that I was going to get a sit down and shoot the shit with Keller and talk about the dead, um, I would not have believed you. So I'm going to shut the fuck up, man, and we're going to get right into it. Um, this is Keller Williams, and enjoy. Keller Williams, welcome to the Sad Song Podcast, dude. So excited to have you. Thank you, Drew. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Um <clears throat> Yeah, so I'm excited uh, on a few different fronts because talking to musicians is my favorite. Cause that's also what I do for a living. But you and I have uh, some common ground, and I think that the best way to start the podcast is for you and I to talk about the greatest American rock band of all time, The Grateful Dead. All right, yes, absolutely. <laughs> all right, so I want to know a little bit about um, how The Dead played into you starting to play music. Like, when did you, first off, when did you go to your first Dead? I uh, went to my first Dead show, I believe, in 1987. And uh, I was 17. And um, I had gotten into the Grateful Dead probably uh, uh, the year before, you know, with the um, Reckoning record, which was kind of the, the acoustic set, you know, open with the, uh, what was it, uh, Dire Wolf and, you know, yeah. Deep Ellum and Birdsong and Cassidy and To Lay Me Down and China Doll. <laughs> mm -hmm. that, that's kind of what, uh, what, got, what got me. I was definitely uh, playing acoustic music and um, just kind of <clears throat> made it past the whole, what we call the black eye makeup era of the 80s, you know, of, with the college rock. You know, they would that'd be another, another term for it, which would be... Uh, you know, R.E.M. and The Cure and The Smiths. Sure. Um, you know, which was kind of a progression from like a punk rock thing when I was 14 and 15 skateboarding with a, uh, with a Walkman, you know, like Dead Kennedys and Sex Pistols and uh, Circle Jerks and, and Ramones and stuff like that. So that, that progression, the progression went from, from that into uh, kind of that college rock with the Smiths and R.E.M. and then studying Michael Stipe and how tripped out he was that kind of led to psychedelics and the psychedelics psychedelics kind of led to uh, uh, the first show in 1987. Yeah it's funny how it works now what's what's really interesting about that is I'm a bit younger than you and psychedelics led me to uh, your shows. Oh good. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they gotta be they gotta be good for something you know yeah um so uh tell me a little bit were you like in the scene scene because i was in the scene the, like hanging out in the parking lot <clears throat> and now going to the show of course the the show was always the pinnacle of the experience sure really, you know setting up at noon and kind of hanging out in the in shakedown all day like that had mm -hmm. like such a profound impact on me and the first time i heard your music it carried that whole like vibe. Like it really was the wow. vibe of, of that, of those awesome days when the sun was out and you were at a lot and the fun, lighthearted goofiness that comes with, <laughs> you know, those sure. days. Sure. <clears throat> um, so did you, well, thank you, man. That... Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. You, you had, you had a thought. So did you? Yeah, I was just, I was just going to say it was, um, yeah, it seemed like you had a lot of, um, inspiration from that whole culture absolutely and thank you for saying that that's exactly kind of what i was going for in the sense of 
where I was in my life when I first, you know, started making records. I think the first first one came out in '94, and um, <clears throat> you know, I had played gigs. Uh, uh, my first gig, I was 16, and and uh, you know, it was just sitting on a stool in a corner of a restaurant playing covers, you know, and uh, making you know, about as much as an eight hour day of minimum wage, uh, um, c construction, you know, I, I did this like temporary construction yeah. agency and he'd send you out, you know, so once I made as much money as eight hours sitting on a stool for a couple hours playing covers, that's kind of when I started really hitting it. But, um, uh, yeah, I got immersed into it. Uh, probably, uh, 89 was my first real tour where, uh, where I went, uh, to about 10 shows um, and we would get to the lot, you know, the night before <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and, and, uh, and we would stay until, until, you know, the morning after the last show. And, you know, I would, uh, uh, from then on, you know, I would definitely work and I was going to college down in Virginia Wesleyan college and, and I would, you know, skip out and, and, and catch as many shows as I could until uh, they finally asked me, politely to take a semester off and think about my grades sure so <laughs> so that was the best thing that ever happened to me uh that was 1991 and uh and then so by like 1993 i definitely started focusing on my own gigs and so from like 89 to like 93 it was pretty heavy uh as many grateful dead shows as possible and uh and then by 93, it was just like I allowed myself two shows, which were the, uh, the Deer Creek shows. Those were my favorite. From 89 and, to 95, uh, correct? That's right. That's <laughs> right. And so 93 and 94, I got to see the two shows. And, and then 95, well, I got to see the one because of the yeah. debacle and the, the gate crashers. That's so wild that you were there for that. That's such a legendary story. And then not only were you there for it, but you made a hilarious uh, song about it. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, what was your favorite Dead show that you saw? Do you have one? That really well, <clears throat> there's there's several. Uh, one that really stands out was uh, 1989. Uh, that was the first uh, uh, Deer Creek show, and so I had just done all the what was it like uh, um, Philadelphia? It was uh, the the big stadium there, and then a uh, bunch of a couple nights at uh, JF. Oh, JFK was in Philly, and then it was Giant Stadium, and then it was RFK, <clears throat> and then the next shows were Indiana and Alpine Valley. So it was just like going from this East Coast thing to the cornfields of of Indiana, and literally, Deer Creek surroundings was was all just like cleared out fields, and it was just like a euphoric uh, to what the type of vibe that we've been uh, on that particular tour, and. Uh, so there we were in this beautiful oasis in the middle of the field. And that was beautiful. That was the first Deer Creek show. But then the next shows were in Alpine Valley. And that was, uh, I think uh, those shows were probably my favorite. I was 19. You know, I've, I, I, I knew uh, after talking to so many uh, disgruntled heads that <laughs> uh, to celebrate, you know, my youth and to celebrate how I feel at 19 because it, because you know, I'm 50 now, and it's like, imagine someone like me all pissed off telling some 19-year-old with abs. <laughs> I, had, I had abs. Um, <laughs> you know, to celebrate it and, and to know that, you know, life to come, there's going to be many, many um, responsibilities. And now that you're, you know, you're 19, you're here now, absorb it and know that you're exactly where you're supposed to be. And, uh, and that's kind of when I realized it was at those Alpine Valley shows in 1989 and uh, just a big, beautiful place, huge moon. Uh, I have, I have the shows on, on DVD in shrink wrap. I don't, I've had them so long. I'm, I'm so afraid to open it because I'm afraid to, that it won't be, it won't live up to my expectations because yeah. I just remember it being so great. Yeah. But um, yeah, I would say, I would say those shows, Alpine Valley 89. That's sick. Yeah. Um, so when did you start going from, so the first record I heard of yours was Buzz. Um, and 
yeah, I heard it on lot. Um, at uh, nice, nice. That's that is so cool. That is so cool to hear uh, that you heard it on the lot. That's really amazing. Yeah, out of a big, uh, out of a big old uh, suburban with the with the, you know you know when people pop the back open and then they would set the tarp out from sure from the trunk so they like claim a whole yeah. 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 You get it. You get your own little space there. Yeah. And then, you, you know, yeah, they're always inviting when people walk by. Um, but they made me a fake wristband for the show, but I ended up listening to Buzz <laughs> all the way through as these people <laughs> nice. to get into the show. Um, nice. so when did you start going from, cause in that era, I feel like your first couple of records, you make a lot of reference to playing in the bars. And when did right. you kind of go from playing, you know, the kind of ski resort vibe of like, you know, being the guy in the corner with an acoustic guitar to when did people kind of start to catch on, do you think? Like when, when did it go from, you know, fucking around to like, oh man, this is a thing that's happening? Well, um, it started, you know, slow, very, very slowly. And like what you were asking before about, you know, the, the songs referencing, you know, kind of that scene, you know, I would play those bars and, and I wouldn't really have, you know, people's attention. And then I would start playing like Grateful Dead songs and kind of, you know, jokey songs. And you start to pick out the, uh, the people in the audience that, um, that get it. And uh, I guess it was 97 uh, that I, I, I did my first opening tour with String Cheese Incident from, uh, <clears throat> I think it was the first time I ever played in the West Coast and uh, I toured all up and down the West Coast and did probably like, I don't know, 30 shows in the course of a, of uh, you know, spring and, and, uh, and fall with String Cheese. And I think it was then once, you know, starting to play to a national kind of crowd, String Cheese was definitely doing, you know, between 500 and 1,000 people at that point, which is really great. And obviously they're huge. But um, I started to get in front of, of folks that, that, you know, were there to see string cheese, but also got, got what I was doing, you know, and uh, not really, you know, definitely playing some of my original stuff, but kind of since I was an opening act, just trying to entertain and, and get, to, uh, you know, play songs that people know and like, but, you know, in that kind of Grateful Dead world. And, uh, and then by uh, 99, uh, I started to incorporate the bass into the loops. You know, it was just very organic with just a guitar and like beatbox. But then once I, I uh, incorporated the bass, that's kind of when air started to move and people started to, to dance uh, a little bit more and uh, uh, started to buy tickets. <laughs> yeah, so when you... So I, so many people do the loop thing now, but I remember the first time yeah. that you do it, I had never heard of, seen anything. So how did that, A, how did you even fucking find out about that? But two, with as many people that do it, you're really good at it. And most people that do it, <laughs> <laughs> most people that do it are not good at it and you make it. Oh man. Well, thank, <laughs> really. thank you. Thank you. Uh, it, it, it started again very organically of uh, <clears throat> just playing hours and hours in bars, a lot uh, like bars and restaurants. And these, these were, some of them were like nine to one where you'd play nine to 10 and then 10, 30, 11, 30, 12 to one, you know, and, and, uh, and people, you know, they're not really coming to see music. There just happens to be a dude in the corner. And so they weren't paying attention to me. I wasn't paying attention to them. And I started with this like DOD rack mount, delay unit we didn't even have a tap tempo thing on it we set the parameter say 4.20 seconds that's what i used because it looks good it was 420 yeah and uh, so it was just like um um so you would have to like kind of learn where that where that tempo is you know uh and if you play it too fast it'll be like a bump 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 Bump, bump, bump. If you play it too slow, it's like bump, 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 you know. So I learned like the first year just how to get into that parameter with no click, with no tap tempo or click track. And uh, it worked sometimes and sometimes it didn't. And I used like hand signals with my sound engineer to like when he like put on it on aux. And it was really, really crazy. And then I got to open for Victor Wooten 
in uh, in Cincinnati a long time ago, and uh, he was using the Jam Man, which is an, also a rack mount that had a tap tempo. And I was just watching him, and I was like, I need that. So I got used that forever, and uh, started to like get several uh, Jam Men and loop them together, uh, and they weren't really in sync. So it was like. Milli Vanilli, you know, had <laughs> lots of experiments, and then we went to the Echoplex um, and 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 MIDI chain those together to where you know I had one for drums, one for bass, and one for everything else on, on channel, so I can duck and dive everything else. But now yeah, technology is taking. That was the thing when I first saw you was there was always the soundboard kind of on the stage that you yeah. go over and fiddle with, yeah. Yeah, the big, the big Allen and Heath, uh, I think it's a 16 channel mix wizard or some shit. And um, I, I would do things like, <laughs> I still have two of them in my basement. I would do things like nose fades <laughs> to where I'd be like playing. And then I would like take my nose and just kind of on the fader, fade it down. <laughs> <So I'm playing. laughs> that thing in its case, you know, uh, was like 99 pounds and we would fly with it you know we were allowed up to 70 pounds uh you know with our with our status and then you'd have to pay it has to be under 100 pounds that thing was a beast and we used that so long too but uh technology is has it now to where it's uh, you know the looper i use is a floor model it's got you know three perfect tracks uh uh, and the same brain, so there's never any yeah. waiver. You know, it's just technology has definitely helped me out, and it's very uh, consumer based. You know, you can have one overnighted, whereas the other stuff we were using, like the Jam Man and the Echoplex, they didn't make those anymore, oh. and you had to like get them on eBay. <laughs> oh, so if one broke, I, I, th I, th I think I think we actually have nine Echoplexes. Uh, for purchase, if anyone is, it's a rack mount, uh, a rack mount looping machine that they don't make anymore. And we'll, someone you know, we'll someone won it in 20 years as a vintage, like, you know, as a vintage artifact. That's, that's right. That's right. Let me ask you this, because this is like, so synonymous with the jam band scene is the super, super long shows, right? Two sets, one big encore. When I, before we started selling our own tickets, when I was playing in the bars, dude, that was like, <laughs> I, I, I would dream of the day when I only had to play 90 minutes. You know? mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I would just be like, fuck man, four hours of music. Like this is fucking bananas. Yeah. Um, yeah. We started selling tickets and we're like, well, I mean, if they're here, I should probably still play two sets and an encore. Um, but especially by yourself. I mean, even doing the looping, man, like why? play three hour shows <laughs> <laughs> well i guess it's just what i'm used to i can, you know i came from that grateful dead school and then you know the fish school sure school of and and then obviously the string cheese school um and uh, and that's just it seemed to be a common uh thing to do and uh, i always thought that three sets was was too much and it, and two set breaks is uh uh too much to ask of an audience that's yeah. my opinion um so whenever there's an opening act you know um i would only i would do one long set yep and, and that happens a lot um but <clears throat> when i'm when i'm like evening with in like some small theater it's really nice to uh, to take advantage of that surrounding for me Mm -hmm. And especially, especially when there's, you know, a piano in the corner and we can tilt it up and mic it up and play some, some interesting songs and, and make the show more interesting and kind of divvy out the, the type of material and the type of vibe through the sets and, uh, yeah, you're focus a, good, on... a good vibe conductor, man. Like oh, a, thank you. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you a, like, Hey, I always appreciate the set break because especially as a young kid on psychedelics, that break in the middle to kind of get your bearings back and be like, sure. All right. There's another chapter to this book. Let's prepare. You know, that's, uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> but, you know, the way you would start each show, walking out, playing just the guitar, sure. always kind of do a couple songs at that level. Before right. The, 
uh, you know, went full, full brain mouth. Right. Um, nice. <laughs> you know, the other thing that I really, that I really got from, from, from you and yonder, just that, that late nineties, early two thousands jam bands is y'all would play songs and I'd be like, yeah, the dopest shit ever. And then I'd go to try and <laughs> what the song was. And it'd be like, Oh, that was an earth, wind and fire song. Oh, that was a dire straits song. Um, <laughs> the eclecticness of, of, of your cover choices was always really impressive dude. And I have like the craziest fucking story ever for you. You ready? I'm ready. Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. So I was going to see you in Iowa city. I grew up in Des Moines and I was going to see you in Iowa city with my friend Kyle and uh, about halfway there, his car breaks down. We're listening to the song, The Sultans of Swing by Dire Straits. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. His car breaks down as we're listening to the song. We coasted at five miles an hour into a gas station. Trucker picks us up and it's on the radio when we get in this guy's truck. He's like, yeah, I have to go through that Iowa City anyway, I'll give you a ride. Sultans of Swing's playing. Whoa. And then Crazy. we the show <laughs> and you played it as an encore. <laughs> and the first thing the trucker said when we got in the truck he goes you boys don't have any drugs on you do you and me and kyle both you know look at each other uh no uh both you know already on them but you played it as an encore and then we got back to des moines that night and it came on the radio oh my god yeah oh yeah How'd you get? How'd you get back? Did you get another trucker? No, it was a it was a non-trucker human. <laughs> it was a showgoer. But uh, was was this was this at uh, at uh, what was it? Abe's? What was the venue? No, uh, no, it wasn't at Gabe's. It was at the bigger one. It was Gabe's. Gabe's. Right. I forgot what it was called. Okay. My ballroom. Nice, nice. That's awesome. What a good story. Yeah, outrageous, and still one of my favorite songs to date. But I say that to say that you kind of listen to everything, apparently, right? Yeah, yeah, I do. I'm I'm not afraid of uh, of investigating and exploring different things. Yeah, that's a good way to be as a musician. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. I'm curious, being that uh, being that you're kind of in that jam band scene where uh, you know people are uh, on elicits. Uh, what's your weirdest fan story? Oh, uh, let's think about that. <laughs> I crack another one. I'm thinking about that. <laughs> what should I think? Well, hmm. oh, let's see. There's a lot of beautiful stories. Um, there was one, um, we were heading from like, uh, 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 what was it? Uh, Denali to Fairbanks and they were just two kids. Yeah. Have you ever been, have you ever done that trip? Uh, uh Alaska. No, I played Southeast Alaska state fair once, but that's the only time I've been. Right. Oh, uh, oh, Scott, you know, Scott Ramsey. Yeah. Oh yeah, dude. He was actually telling me. He was your bud. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that's that. My boy. Oh, that's, that's my boy. Yeah. I was just texting with him recently, actually. Uh, he's a, he's wow. a great dude. And we've been, uh, I think this was my year that I was the first year he's, he's been involved, you know, forever. Uh, since, since, I, since he, you know, I think he took it over, I don't know, five, six, seven years ago, but I had never been able to do it. It's always uh, coincided with Floyd Fest, at least the past couple of years. And, uh, and I think this was my year to do it. And I think it's, it's of course been pulled. Yeah. But, but I think, uh, so when, when you're, when you find to Anchorage, you can go, you know, down to like Homer and, uh, and down that way, or you can go North up to, uh, Fairbanks. And then along the way you, you go by like Denali. And so I think we were going from Denali to Fairbanks and there were these guys on the road with these big signs, you know, uh, with my name on it and like lyrics and stuff, like in the middle of nowhere in Alaska, knowing that I was going from Denali to Fairbanks. That was, uh, that was pretty weird. Um, oh, um, oh, okay. So this happened. This totally happened. Uh, um, I think it was a water bottle, a water bottle that was open. 
on the stage that I was drinking like a, like a plastic water bottle with the top. Yeah. Like, so it's, you have the, you have the visual and I'm playing Humboldt County, uh, 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 and Arcata. I think this was at the, uh, the little Arcata theater there, I think. And, um, I sing about weed and it's like in October or something. And then it just starts to get showered with these perfectly rolled doobies, you know, they're just perfect cones. Yeah. And then these like the fat tampons, you know, just, <laughs> just these beautiful thing. Uh, and then, uh, and then later, you know, there's this one lonely doobie that came up and landed in the water bottle and went down into the water and I saw it and about six people in the front row saw it and we all went, Whoa, Oh shit. And uh, not a lot of people believe me after that, but those, those six people and I had a moment there and the person that threw it probably never even knew because it came from a ways away and just like, it's like, dude, so those kind of moments too. I'll bet you literally all six of those people still to tell that story to this day too. Yeah. 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 I, w I would love to, to meet all of them and have a, a zoom meeting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be great. Uh, tell me about, uh, tell me about Lou G. Lou is, um, uh, the adult. That's how, that's how he likes to, he, that's how he likes to, uh, to put it. Uh, he's been with me about 22 years and he has guided and protected and, uh, really, um, helped me in so many ways, shapes and forms. Um, he, uh, you know, he, when we first started, he, he was just the sound engineer uh, and we used, you know, um, travel agents and, and, um, and we had, uh, I had stage guys, you know, I had guys, you know, setting up the stage and, and a tour manager. And, um, so it was several, you know, several people and it was, it was pleasant. Yeah. Uh, but then, um, we had to downsize and so now he does all the travel all the tour managing all the sound and all the this tech stage tech granted i'm solo act and i am uh, uh restricted to what we can fit in a minivan you know yeah. uh so it's usually three pelicans and uh, and which are if your listeners don't know are are, are heavy duty professional flight cases Yes. That weigh thirty. That weigh thirty. About thirty pounds empty. Yeah. And so we put fifty pounds of stuff in there, and we are allowed up to seventy with our status. And then three uh, hard cases, like a, a uh, like a bass in a hard case, and and two acoustics. And I'll probably carry on uh, a thin body guitar to put in the overhead just in case everything gets lost yep. or everything's broken. When it arrives, I still have a, a show uh, with my carry on. Right, and, uh, and so not only does he take care of me of that, but I have his 100% trust when it comes to any and all sound engineering. You know, this is, he can go into the, just the shittiest of stanky clubs and uh, polish the turd and and just re redo you know the graphs and and set it up differently and 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 uh and everyone you know that works there that's like god i've never heard sound so good and then he would leave it that way and then that you know uh some people you know some house guys get pissed and wanted to go back but most people like leave it that way and he leaves like his stamp on the club you know <laughs> and then there's the run uh, then there's like the run and gum uh uh festivals where you know you have 30 minutes changeover and you have to get all the other stuff out and put our stuff up. He's doing that. He's testing it. And then he has to run out to the front of house and then dial up everything. And then if there's, there's a, a ensemble or group of some kind, you know, definitely it's a very difficult, fast, stressful job that I have his 
I have uh, 100% trust in them. And um, very tricky, very tricky. That's uh, old, man. That's cool that he's been with you that long, too, to just have your brother. Yeah, I'm, I am so, so lucky uh, uh, that he's stuck around for so long. And, uh, you know, we, uh, we have uh, uh, achieved the – my wife, you know, definitely is, spends days on this stuff, but she's achieved the small business loan when it was out there. And uh, I'm happy to say that we're definitely going to keep him around as long as we can. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah, I'm still looking. as well as, as well as well as us. Yeah, you know, he he's he's gonna keep us around as long as he can, you know. Because yeah, might, absolutely. Yeah, he yeah. How many kids do you have? So you, I know you have a family. I do too, and that's like probably the weirdest uh, juxtaposition in my life is like, you know, when you get on the tour cycle, you just there's that routine and that flow of like, sure. uh, mm-hmm. I don't want to say. No, it's hard. It's hard it's, at times, but then you kind of hit this sweet spot where you're just on autopilot and you're just like, yep, I know my chores. I know exactly when to do what I got to do. And then you get home and it's like cake in the face. And I know, <laughs> I know, I know you got a couple, a couple kids. How old are your kids? They are 12 and 15, boys 12, girl 15. And uh, it's, a, it's a tricky time for everybody. You know, I mean, we, we're very, very grateful, very, very lucky to live uh, where we do. And, um, but uh, so, so it's been, it's been really good for us to, you know, to have this place and uh, for, especially for this time, uh, but, you know, they miss their friends. Yeah, yeah, my, my son has, has um, just shot up in levels on Fortnite. Yeah. Um, which, which uh, for your listeners that don't know, it's a, uh, it's a, a, a video game. And, um, so, um, my son is also an avid Fortniter. Yeah. Yeah. And he, you know, he gets, he gets money for birthday and for, um, uh, for Christmas and he does some minor chores but it all goes to upgrading his skins. Yeah, I was just going to say. Were you? Did you? Did, did you catch the Travis Knight uh, show? Or no, no, Travis Scott. Travis show Scott. That Scott. was. Uh, my son was obviously telling me all about it. Um, yeah, yeah. It was. It was. It, it was, was pretty intense. It was pretty intense. He was. Travis Scott really put on a great show for ten minutes inside of Fortnite. Of course, it was his giant. You know, head with the. Emo- emoji or whatever you call it uh, is I don't know what it is but uh, my daughter is uh you know really uh, into progressing in academics and it's uh two like two totally different kids uh one uh will have a little uh airpod in his in his ear uh and a little screen over here uh with his with the show going while, while a zoom meeting is going on with this class, you know? Sure. Uh, so he's paying, he's watching the show while he's, you know, looking at, looking at the zoom meeting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but my daughter is definitely uh, very into it and takes it very seriously and, and is doing a lot of work and uh, I'm really proud of, really proud of both of them for enduring really, you know? Yeah. It's a wild time. And like, I don't know for me, man, I've been going, I'd say going hard for five years, you know? yeah going hard and it going well for two right Um, and i always take the winters off because i live in southwest montana so i want to ski all winter i don't want to travel that's great so i took had my four months off and then you know the shit got shut down right before we were supposed to leave so i'm going on like seven months at home i just kind of hit the embrace it grace period where I feel like really good about it. And I'm just like, cool. I'm just going to get back to fly fishing and doing all the shit that I did before I traveled for a living. Um, That's great. But yeah, you live in a rural zone too, huh? Kind of out of a city. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Just far enough out of the city to not get delivery. (laughs) Uh, uh, But uh, close enough to where it's, um, it's only, you know, 10, 15 minutes to get into town. Nice. Yeah. That's, that's, it's about an hour for us, but it's, there's, we live in a really small town. That's, that's pretty badass. Um, so you have, 
I think I counted correctly, 21 records. You've put out 21 records. Is that true? 21 or 22? Yeah, I quit counting a while back. Um, but yeah, I think that sounds right. I think that sounds, I think it was 20, 21. I think you're right. Yeah. So I think we, yeah, that it's, it's been cool to, to obviously see the, huh, how you say the like evolution, but then also the kind of stripping it back, uh, to the, to the OG, like with Sands is a really cool vibe. Um, Oh, thank you. Um, and then the acoustic one, um, raw, is that what's called? Raw, right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so it's, it's cool. Um, you, you, I take it you record at home now. Well, no, no, I, um, uh, I've been using a studio called Wally Cleavers, uh, which as a crow flies is three miles from my house, but, uh, as the roads go, it takes about 10, 15 minutes to get there. Uh, so it's real close. And the engineer, Jeff Covert, uh, I I've used for a lot of these records and, uh, he is amazing and, and we work really well together and I've done pretty much most of them there. Um, but recently I've been recording on my voice memo, you know, I upgraded yeah. my, my voice by voice memo to a, to a really interesting, there's really interesting apps, uh, that, that, you know, uh, regulate the room or whatever. And, and uh, um, uh, you know, they, what's the word, uh, I don't know, they register it or whatever, and it goes in and then they, uh, it makes really good recordings. And I've been improvising a lot on the guitar, you know, outside with birds and um, sending them to uh, this guy named Bobby West, who is, uh, goes by the name Erothime, E-R-O-T-H-Y-M-E, Erothime. And, uh, he has he can take these recordings and and compress them and make them sound beautiful and then he adds like electronic bass and drums and and puts cool stuff on and and he's got um there's one up already under erothyme e-r-o-t-h-y-m-e uh featuring keller williams that's me (laughs) and uh uh it's called uh soft squatch from Sasquatch from Stone Mountain, or the Stone Mountain Sasquatch, or the Sasquatch from Stone Mountain. Can't miss it. And uh, and that was recorded on my my back porch during the first week, you know, of the lockdown. And uh, and there's another one on deck that we're still working on. And uh, uh, Patrick Biondo, uh, Pappy from the band Cabinet. Do you ever you know the band yeah, Cabinet? Yeah, yeah. Yep. So Pappy, Pat, I've also sent a few to Pappy, and Pappy has. Uh, he has, uh, he's definitely has a, a studio and he has adapted a few of those as well. So things are still, this app. I gotta, I'm what's that? What's the name? Yeah. <laughs> uh, voice record pro voice okay. pro voice pro record voice record pro or something like that. All right. Those are the key um, ones though. <laughs> yeah. Pro yeah. And there's a free one. There's, there, there's a free one that you can get that I, that I have on my, my old phone. Um, that I still keep around because all these amazing recordings are there that I haven't, you know, yeah. downloaded yet. But so, yeah, it's it's happening. It's still happening even in lockdown. That's awesome. So with that, uh, you just talking about playing with other people. Um, you know, you have so many fucking amalgamations of what you do. And I think I've seen most of them. I saw, you know, the WMDs. Um, Keller and the Keels, Grateful Grass, Grateful Gospel. Um, you play solo. Like, um, you're the only person I know that can roll into a festival and be like, "I'll be here all four days with four completely different things." <laughs> oh man! Oh really god! Yes, but that's got to be kind of lucrative too. To just be like, "Hey, man, I'm gonna be here." So let's fucking, you know. Uh, I wish. I wish <laughs> I could stay at all the festivals for four days. Oh, that would be so great. Well, it's it's a lot of of people allowing me into their lives and being open minded and unafraid. There's normal normal fears when it comes to like uh, you know a one off 
to yeah. where I'm trading back and forth uh, voice memos of my arrangements and my keys. And, uh, and then we get there and then we rehearse real quick and then we go on stage and we play it and hope for the best. You know, there's, there's a, a handful, there's probably 20 people around the country that know the same 20 Grateful Dead songs sure. that of my arrangements in this, it's, uh, kind of grab, uh, whoever's available and, you know, you study, uh, people's websites and see who's playing and who's not playing. Hmm, well, I can maybe kick him from there. But lately it's been a lot of, um, actual bands together that come together, uh, to do it. Like, uh, I did a bunch of shows, uh, with the, um, infamous string dusters and yeah, dude, they're dead with, holy shit yeah yeah they're they're really great man uh beautiful people and just top of the line musicians uh same with uh, love cannon out of charlottesville we've done a couple shows together and uh, of course uh, the hillbenders out of missouri uh we did the whole petty grass thing together for about yeah that's dope too yeah i'm a huge uh, yeah he's probably my favorite american songwriter mm. so um, you know, one of the records that you made that was really fucking cool that just it, when you made Dream, I remember that was about the time when I was just partying all of the time, but telling everyone I was going to be a musician and was just like, man, one day I'm going to do a record just like this. And I'm going to do all <laughs> these cats that I've always wanted to play with. Um, and what I thought was so cool about that record was that there was like, um, you know, so we did two uh, two national tours with Michael Franti. Um, nice. So I love that Franti was on there, and that was like yeah. the vibe. And then the next song would be like, um, you know, you did one with Bob Weir. Like, so from from Bob Weir, all right. And then the other thing that I loved is you had a lot of like musicians, musicians on there that a lot of people weren't hip to. Like that was how I learned sure. Charlie Hunter was through that record. Nice. That's really amazing. <laughs> Which spun me off into a whole wormhole of like, yeah, shit, dude. Um, I couldn't believe he, yeah, I couldn't believe he agreed to do it. <laughs> yeah. So how did, tell me just a bit about how that process went because I just, we're in the process of making a record right now um, where, yeah, I reached out to some people and was just kind of like shot in the dark and they said, yes. Right. I was just kind of nice. like, they said, what? You know, <laughs> that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, so amazing. how did that process go for you? Like, how the fuck did you get Bob Weir on a song? How does that happen? Well, um, I was fortunate enough to tour with him and Rat Dog uh, oh. a couple different tours by that point. And we had played together on stage in, like, uh, I think 2001 was the first time we played together. And uh, and then uh, there was another tour where we played together every, every show. He would come out for the last two songs of my set. But wouldn't sound check and would have his crew set, set it all up and sound check for him. So every, every, it was really great. So we had a kind of a relationship, so to speak. And, uh, I flew out there to his house, um, just, just, just to do that. Took a whole, you know, flew out there on Friday and, and recorded on Saturday and flew home Sunday and, uh, recorded, uh, in his, in his house, uh, in his own studio. And that was, so you know surreal just to be just to be there at his at his property you know it's just amazing as someone that yeah, grew up going to dead shows and in that culture in your wildest dreams you ever think you'd be hanging out and fucking recording a song with bob weir in his house no 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 <laughs> no not at all and uh uh it's probably different now but his girls uh were young really young then and uh he yeah, his backyard kind of is a real steep kind of uh, hill, <laughs> and he <laughs> he had this miniature uh, amphitheater back there uh, with like seats kind of built into the hill, similar to like uh, maybe like a, 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 um, uh, the Berkeley sure uh, the yeah, Berkeley yeah. Am the amphitheater. What's that called? The um, the bowl? Uh, the Greek? The Greek? Maybe the Greek the Greek theater in Berkeley and uh, and. And the big sign to enter, it said Weir Channel <laughs> instead of Clear Channel. You know, Weir Channel presents. Uh, but uh, yeah, he had a beautiful, beautiful studio with uh, you know, no, uh, no surfaces facing each other. You know, definitely just rolling walls with different uh, 
different places, uh, no, no, um, no surfaces that face each other. So it sounded so real, so good in there. And, uh, um, yeah, the recording of that song is like just such a perfect vibe for, for him to that song. Um, yeah, thank you. Yeah. His dog, he did, he did a, he did like a tap, a foot tap track and that's, uh, when his dog starts barking and he's like, he's like, Oh, I thought it was cool. I left it in. I thought, I mean, we can, we can take it out if you want. But I, I thought it was, I thought it was great. You know, I thought I loved, I loved the dog. I loved the, the, I so grateful dead to me, you know, just a dog barking in the background. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, what is your, you know, I know, I know you are huge, uh, and probably still are a good buds with, uh, with, uh, yonder mountain string band and all those guys. Uh, I posted to, to get some fan questions and the question that was asked over and over was what was your favorite Jeff Austin moment? Wow. Um, there was a tour that we did together um, called the acoustic planet tour. I recall that. And, and it was uh, yonder and I and Bela Fleck, Bela Fleck always closed. And uh, was, did that did that tour go to Red Rocks? I don't remember if that tour. But it's I thought I thought that that was that tour, but it was at Red Rocks, and and Jeff and I were playing my song uh, "Running on Fumes" together, and uh, he had wireless, I had wireless, and we both entered Red Rock stage on either side of the stage playing that song. And it was like, that was probably one of my most favorite moments of, of he and I like walking across the stage, uh, playing wirelessly, you know, my song at Red Rocks, you know, it's just, that's one thing I really, uh, really remember uh, as a standout. Yeah, that's awesome, that's beautiful. How do you think the scene, uh, the overall jam band scene has changed over the years? Um, I, you know, for me, I don't really have a good thumb on it because we play a lot of the same festivals as you do, but our scene sure. isn't really the jam band scene. It's a lot of the like, right. um, yeah, not that, not that a little bit, a little bit of carryover, especially in the East coast. But, um, how do you feel like well, that festival scene has kind of changed? Well, uh, it's gotten smaller and, uh, and the bigger ones have definitely adapted to the more mainstream or. Uh, electronic music, which I'm totally uh, love and obsessed with, um, but there is still uh, a circle, a niche of folks that uh, like to hear um, homegrown music. You know, humans playing instruments. Yeah, and uh, you know, I think it'll come back full circle. But at the at, at the moment, I think it, you know it's it's a heavy um, focus on electronic music, which, which makes sense for the, the folks that are going to these shows or the, are, are the younger folks that grew up knowing how to type, knowing how to program and that understand and get it. And, you know, electronic music, if you're in the right place at the right time, it's, it's a beautiful thing. You know, it's, uh, everyone kind of on the same page, uh, yet not knowing the song, but knowing the formula and then the build up to the apex and then the drop and then it, everyone's together. It's, it's very, very communal, uh, one mind type of thinking, uh, that you don't really get with guys with instruments <laughs> or, or you do, or you do, uh, occasionally with different bands who understand that, uh, it's the energy that, that, that formula. Yeah. Riding kind of riding the peak and then, you know, having a, uh, drop and explode and uh it's a it's a great a great feeling that um for, for i really appreciate listening the equivalent of that would be uh when a jam band stretches out a song into a very very heavy jam and you're lost and where the fuck are we going oh my god it's getting intense it's getting intense and then it drops back out back into a song three songs earlier in the set list <laughs> <laughs> and everybody well, freaks well not not quite like that it's more like it's more like um 
it's more like uh, you know when you take a jam up to the top like yeah fish is the king of that, the symphonic climax right right yeah i had never really got it and then we played uh envision in costa rica okay and uh you know I, I, the stuff that that you did during your sets was about as edm as i got um, that uh-huh. that bass record was I was like yeah this is where I draw the line I'm not stepping any further into it and I just didn't really get it you know because I I grew up so much you know playing I was the weird kid that I wanted an acoustic guitar not an electric one you know so I just sure, sure. Uh, I, I've just always been a fan of of, of yeah instruments and I kind of you know scoffed at it and then when we played Envision I saw that kind of happening you know, I kind of stood back and watched a DJ do his thing. And, and I really right. felt that collective vibe. And, and then it clicked for me. Still not fully my cup of tea, but I, I, yeah, I sure. completely get it, you know. Right, uh, right. So what is, uh, I, I just heard a song of yours for the first time the other day that I, that I hadn't heard before. I didn't realize that uh, in the last three years you put out 37 records. So there's a few, <laughs> there's a few tunes I hadn't heard. Uh, t- tell me about the song, the big one. Where did that come from? Oh, that kind of you know some of these songs just write themselves. You know, um, uh, I was uh, uh, given something to help with my high blood pressure, sure. and then it was another med- medication to help boost that medication that I didn't it didn't. Uh, didn't coincide with me and uh i got this rash that did not itch it was really bizarre and then my my hands would swell up and uh to the point where i couldn't like make a fist uh and uh it was really uh really frightening and uh there was one night where you know my arms would just be totally asleep and then you know there's a little more um pain in my in my left arm you know and so well, you know, this is it. Might as well go like drink all the liquor and, and fry the bacon and uh, and just go down slinging, go down swinging, you know. Uh, and so that's what I did, you know. And uh, and uh, oh, that references like what we talked about earlier. You know, I've been, I've been living every day like it was the last day since I was 19 in Alpine Valley. Yeah, kind of cool. circle circles circles back to our conversation, you know. Uh, so yeah, it's kind of wrote itself. Yeah, it's a it's a beautiful song, and I uh, yeah, you're you're a good uh, great storyteller, man. And it's it's really oh, fun, like and engaging to listen to it. And it's you know uh, of the countless times that I've seen you at your shows and at festivals and stuff like that, you always kind of have that exact vibe, this real lightheartedness, um, playful. You're just playful, man. Yeah. What a blast! I've never. <laughs> uh if do you ever get uh get tense before you or while you're playing or, or nervous or, or anything because you always just look like you're just having the fucking time of your life well thank you thank you I, that's that's the that's the object that's the point that's what i'm going for you know i take having fun very seriously very <laughs> goddamn very goddamn seriously stop <laughs> laughing stop laughing uh uh it's <laughs> It's, uh, you know, I, I've always had the uh, mentality that if I can't entertain myself, how could I entertain an audience? And it's, um, um, uh, yeah, you know, I'll definitely get distracted sometimes and, and the loops will be wonky and I'll start them over. And that's, that can get frustrating or, or there's someone just screaming out a song that I don't want to play necessarily and won't let it go. And I feel like I have to play it or else. I'm going to get my ass kicked, you know, so, some of those things. Um, yeah. Which is, which is as luxury. It's a luxury problem. It's a luxury problem. The dude right. wants to hear the song. I mean, why, why can't I just play the song? Uh, but sometimes uh, that gets frustrating. But other than that, a, um, I definitely feed off of uh, people who get it. And that, that gives me, uh, me more adrenaline and just try to, make myself and other people forget about the world around us because it's all going to be there when the show's over so that's what i've always gone after yeah yeah that's good i 
you know, I saw someone shout at you one time in the politest way ever because they didn't shout at all. Uh, <laughs> dude, uh, so was it, a sh it was in Bozeman, Montana. Um, and when you get beers at the bar there, if you get, you know, three or four of them, they'll take an old six pack and they'll put each beer in there and then just hand it to you so you can walk through the crowd, you know, and not have oh, yeah. beers, right? Sure, uh, sure. The guy standing next to me hands his beers to his friends opens a fanny pack and pulls out a Sharpie and writes, Dear Emily, rips the thing open, writes Dear Emily on it and threw it on stage. And 30 seconds later, you just went right into the song. And this, I watched this guy's face. He just, <laughs> and he exploded. <laughs> you made that dude's year. You know, and I that's so cool. Cause I feel like most musicians, when someone's like, play this, play this, or when as far as to, you know, write it on a, on a, a beer box and put it on stage would be like, man, fuck you. And you're just like, eh, all right. <laughs> now that's, that's, that's kind of what I prefer, you know, just having it there staring at me instead of screamed at me. Well, I mean, I mean, it's like I said, it's, it's a, it's a luxury problem to have someone want to hear one of the songs you played. Uh, uh, it's just when it's on, when it's on written down, it's like, Oh, that's nice. I can just, I play that one. Yeah, that one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's an auxiliary set list. <laughs> but right. there's definitely, but there's definitely been times where someone's yelled something out, and I'm like, "Oh, good idea," and I just start playing it. So it's like I, I'm not, I'm not like, it's just you know, freak around the speaker or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's weird. How did you think that that would be like the song that everyone dug? No, of course not. No. Yeah, isn't but, that? Weird uh, I, it, that was another song that kind of wrote itself too, you know, just watching these people in the audience and, and having to uh, focus on not being distracted while all this drama is going on in front of me. So, <laughs> but yeah, yeah uh, I'm grateful, very grateful for that song. Dude, you know, what's really funny is so you write a lot of tunes that are like observational, like, yeah. <laughs> like stuff like that, right? Like, okay, here's the story of this thing that I'm seeing or like home, you know, it, you're just kind of like, all right, this is me at the fucking airport. This is me on the airplane, <laughs> you know? Um, and one of the funniest things now as a musician, especially as we, uh, as we started playing bigger and bigger festivals is the song super hot at least two to five times the festival season. That song will start looping in my head as I'm playing a set. And I'm like, it's the most accurate observation from our viewpoint ever. <laughs> yeah. Another song that wrote itself, you know? Oh man, I like that you don't. Uh, I like that you don't get in the way of that, uh, and are just like, yeah, man, this is just fucking great and hilarious, and I'm gonna see it all the way through. That's right. That's great. That's right. Yeah, I don't. I don't deny songs that write themselves. You know, there's just an obvious uh, pattern of super hot girls with insecure dudes standing behind them. You know, holding on to them as they grind the stage. Yeah, kind of and, uh, watching the perimeters, making sure it's that real. Yeah, it's it's real. It happens. And, yeah, uh, I have to do that song with my eyes closed, or else I don't want to lock any <laughs> eyes with with any of the insecure guys. How many guys <laughs> when you play that song? I wonder if let go of their girlfriend's weights and like, uh, I'm not that guy. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's yeah, crazy. So I got a few more, and then we'll get into these standards uh, that I ask everyone, and then I'll cut you loose. Um, if you weren't doing music, man, what would you be doing? Do you think? I think I'd be a DJ. Great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we were talking about this yesterday. Um, I think, uh, I would be a sign spinner, uh, you know, mm. with like, uh, you know, headphones yep. and, uh, you know, a camel back, a camel pack, you know, on my back, you know, with the little sippies. Yep, I can see. Uh, good at that. Maybe some stim, some stimulants. Yeah, uh, and and uh, and just get to it. <laughs> I think that's that's how that's what I would do. I think yeah. that's how the pros do it too. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. So this is a new standard um, because I know you have such an eclectic music taste. I figured it would be cool if I told you three things that I'm listening to, and you told me three things that you're listening to right now. Okay, let me think about. It. Okay. You want me to go first? Yeah, you go first. Okay, so my three bands that I'm listening to right now that I just kind of discovered in the last little bit that I've been loving, it's a band called Mount Joy. Um, and they have a song called Astro Van that you would like because it is also about uh, a spiritual deity driving a vehicle. Nice. Uh, and it's about Mountain Joy. 
Mount Joy, and then mm-hmm. uh, MT period Joy is how they mm-hmm. do it. Um, and then a Southern rock band uh, from Louisiana called Bishop Gun. Ooh, Dude, nice. Check them out. They're so badass. So badass. Bishop, Bishop Gun. Isn't that a sick name too? That's that is good. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. And then uh, a punk band called the Menzingers, uh, particularly mm. a song called America. You're freaking me out. Menzingers. The Menzingers. The Menzingers. Okay, yeah. I like that. That's cool. I'll tell. Uh, have to rem- remember that. Let's see. Uh, I uh, have been obsessed with the record Ruby Vroom from the band Soul Coughing. This was like 1994, 1995. That's like alt vibes, right? Well, yeah, it's um, it's super like like uh, uh, cool beat poetry, but um, not like super cheesy. You know, really, really cool and thought provoking. Uh, Mike Mike Doty, who's who's still uh, who's still doing it, uh, and then upright bass. And just a badass drummer and a dude on samples. And it's all kinds of samples. Uh, and it all floats in really good. Soul Coughing, Ruby Vroom is, is the, uh, the record. Uh, let's see. Um, uh, Antenna, which is A-N-T-E-N-A-E, Antenna. Like, uh, and he is... Um, kind of on the heavy side of uh, of um, electronic music, but with uh, a kind of a half-time, a half-time beat that doesn't really get too far into the super womp of dubstep. Um, some of it does, obviously. Uh, his live shows, I would imagine, go pretty deep. And then uh, let's say, uh, what's another band that I dial up um well to be honest with you uh I'd have to say Ocean's 11 12 and 13 playlist on Spotify (laughs) (laughs) are you a fan of those movies at all Ocean's uh, yeah 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 Yeah. all right so there's a there's a there's a playlist that uh there's there's a couple stinkers but it's mostly all like you know the upbeat high school really, music yes yes it's, Dude, that would it's be all, to listen to that without the context of watching the robbery yeah it's really it's really cool there's one called like uh lowering the building uh i think it's from it's from it's from 12 uh, <laughs> uh and when they're in amsterdam and they're trying to get the clear shot of the uh of the crossbow uh with the with the uh the cable so they can slide in. Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, so, so they're in Amsterdam. It's a little too high. So you have to lower the building. Uh, and that's, uh, that's a hot track. You know, that's something that gets me pumped up. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to listen <laughs> to those without watching the movie. Never think about like when you're watching those high intense scenes, like, oh, damn, this is like a solid funk band, like getting after it. Yeah, there, there is a few, a few tracks with, with um, um, dialogue. One is really good called Rubens in <laughs> and it has a little dialogue in the top you know where where Ruben decides that he's in you know it's like oh who you got in mind <laughs> I'm like yeah I, I like I like doing dishes to that uh, that's that's awesome oh man all right here come the standards these are my these are my favorite questions that I ask everybody uh mm-hmm. what's the first record that made you cry Oh shit! Uh, first record to make me cry. Hmm, man. Hmm, that's hard. Um, I don't know, man. I don't think I don't think I have that. I don't think oh. I have that. How about? I don't know. No. All right, all right. How about the first record? <laughs> the first. That's all right. That's great. You're like I can't even think of a time that I cried. Sadly, listening to music. I don't. I mean, I mean, movies. I mean, movies and books and stuff are are, are different, but uh, records. I haven't. I don't think I've really gotten into that that sadness. Okay. What about the first record or first 
record song that made you know you wanted to do music? Like, not just play it, but like really go for it and do it. Uh, Kiss Destroyer. Nice. Yeah, definitely. I was a little Kiss head when I was a little kid. I love that. What <laughs> is your favorite hip hop album of all time? Uh, that would be the obvious, uh, the Chronic. Choice. Yeah. Classic. What about your favorite punk rock record? Oh, uh, uh, Wonderful by the Circle Jerks. Ooh, deep cut, dude. Nice. You know, or 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 like really any Circle Jerks, but the the Wonderful was kind of like a a tongue in cheek kind of record that I thought was really cool. Nice. We just, I have a two-year-old and I put on Operation Ivy a couple months ago and he freaked. Mm. Um, <laughs> that's probably my favorite punk record of all time. But the fact that my two-year-old is super into it makes it even more badass. Nice. Um, and then the next one was three records that you're listening to right now, but we pretty much already went over that with the three recommended artists. So, right. Good, dude. I appreciate you taking time so much, man. I hope, uh, we, can, uh, I hope we can play together sometime, man. Um, me too my pleasure thank you for having me i appreciate you yeah bro well we will uh we'll talk soon and all of our love to your family and uh take care of yourself bro thank you so much well that was neat what a rad guy right man um i'm really glad that that happened i'm really glad that it was recorded and i'm really glad that you guys got to listen to it and i hope you enjoyed it as much as i did um yeah who knows, dude? I, I really hope Keller and I get across paths and uh, and play some tunes together. Uh, th- it'd be a dream to get a, to get to play a dead tune with him. Um, anyway, um, next week on the podcast we have Farmer and UFC fighter Brian Bam Bam Barbarina. Um, Brian's the fucking man. Um, I can't wait for you guys to hear the podcast. He uh, uh, not only is a UFC fighter, but he's a real deal family man and. And that was the most beautiful part of the conversation for me was how it kept coming back to his family. Um, And uh, yeah, Uh, as always, like, share, subscribe, and uh, send me a DM or tag me in a post or something and let me know who you uh, want me to have on the podcast. We're all, you know, not on the road right now, so everybody's home. And, you know, I think we could get anyone we wanted. So yeah, tell your friends and uh, we'll see you next week with uh, Brian Bam Bam Barbarina. Peace.